Alrighty, we have made it to our final session. We need to go ahead and begin. You have endured all day. Well done. Well done. You have persevered. Uh, so last month, we had the first session of Trey and Deb with Randy Patton. And this time around, we're going to have session two. So it's about an hour long. So uh, let's go ahead and get started. And uh, we will see what happens. Well, hello, folks. Hi. Hey, good to see you again. You too. Thanks for coming back. I uh, was hoping you would, and I was looking forward to our next get-together. we got a lot to, to get accomplished in this session, and how about if I lead us in prayer, and then we'll charge ahead, okay? Father, thank you now for the privilege of being with Trey and Deb again. pray you'd give us uh, wisdom in our discussion, uh, illumine our minds to understand your word and how it applies uh, to each of our lives. I pray particularly that they would gain hope and uh, strength uh, today and that their thinking would be molded to what you want it to be. In Christ's name, amen. Uh, just before we start into the homework and the agenda I had, give me an idea as you uh, got into your um, car last Thursday when you were going home after our first get-together, what kind of things were you saying to each other about our, our first uh, meeting? Well, uh, I was greatly encouraged by the little, all the stuff you had up on the board there. And just um, that there is hope that we can have a good marriage again. Mm -hmm. It's not, we're not destined for failure. <laughs> yeah. right. There is hope. So that was encouraging. Yeah. The Bible uh, identifies God as the God of hope. Mm -hmm. So we should have hope. Mm -hmm. Good. I'm, I wanted you to leave encouraged. So. What about you, Trey? Well, I think I was, to be honest, I didn't come in here with great expectations. And, um, I mean, I'll be honest, the things you're talking about last week, they don't sound um, easy to put into practice. And I know it's going to require a lot of work. But I, I guess what I was encouraged by was just how different it was from our previous counseling experience. Because, I mean, <laughs> the whole homework thing is, is radically different. Um, so uh, I guess I'm encouraged and um, curious. Okay, good, good. Well, and you mentioned that uh, it wouldn't be easy. And just for perspective, put it, think of it this way. Uh, the way you have been living is not real easy either, right? Right. right. Remember, we saw one of the verses I quoted Proverbs from Proverbs says the way of a transgressor is hard. Changing and growing to be the kind of people God wants us to be is hard, but it's not as hard as the way of a transgressor. Right. So we got to keep that in mind. OK, uh, my custom is to use the homework that I assign each week as our agenda for the future for the next session. So let me just start right there. And the first thing I'd written down was for both of you to bring your Bibles. And I see two Bibles here <laughs> plus mine. So we're off to a good start there. And I want to encourage you to bring your Bibles back uh, each week because we'll be using those. And you're welcome to lay them out here on the desk if you want to and, or your notes, whatever. 
Okay. I think I want to turn now to the pamphlet, What to Do When Your Marriage Goes Sour. And I'd ask each of you to read it carefully and mark ten key sentences. Did you do that, Deb? Yes. Did you do that? All right. Good. Now, what I'd like us to do is start at the beginning. And, Deb, I think I'll start with you. Would you read the first sentence that you marked, and then I want you to comment on it. How did it speak to you? In what ways did you find it helpful? And then I may make some remarks about what you say, or I may not. Then we'll go to you, get your first sentence. And that way we'll kind of stay in the general flow of working through the pamphlet. And my goal will be to use what you're learning from that pamphlet to help you in thinking more biblically about marriage and about the issues being discussed. And so we'll just kind of work our way through it. All right? And if you have questions about any of the comments that are in there, you can feel free to ask. So would you get us started, please? Yes. The first one that I have highlighted is you will have to learn how to love one another. And I have that highlighted because the word learn is in italics. It's emphasized there. And I guess I just always thought that love was a feeling and that I didn't have control over that. I either felt it or I didn't. And what this is telling me is that I do have control over it and that I must speak after it. Very good. Do you want me to go to the next one? No, let's just get your next one. Okay. Well, I kind of had one right after that. It was love is not feeling first before all. Right there at the bottom of the first page, before all else is a determination to do good for another because God has told you to do so. Love begins, therefore, with the desire to please God. Love toward another is a willingness to give to him whatever you have that he needs because you know that God wants you to. And where true love exists, the feeling follows soon enough. Some excellent statements. I'm glad both of you are marking some on that subject. Tell me how those spoke to you. Well, like Deb was saying, this is not how I've thought about love. And to understand that love is not first a feeling, that it's a determination to do good for someone else, not because that's just what I'm going to do, but because God's told me to do that, that love begins with a desire to please God. I mean, that's different, that in loving Deb and doing things for her, my motivation should be to please God. And I've never thought about it like that. Okay, now let's just pause. The sentences that you're marking, most people mark. And I think it's one of the most helpful sections in the pamphlet. We live in a culture where love is equated with feelings or sex. I remember one guy was asked, you know, what is love? And he thought very philosophically for a moment, and then he said, love is a feeling you feel when you have a feeling you've never felt before. It's kind of gobbledygook, right? 
Well, the scriptures are clear that biblical love is acting with another person's best interest in mind. Emotions are involved. Feelings are involved. But biblical love is primarily an action. Let me, let me see if I can prove this. Here's a verse you probably learned years ago when you attended a church. John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Remember that? Yeah. Or a verse we'll talk about later that talks about the role of a husband. It's a husband's love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Uh-huh. Biblical love is giving. Or the definition I like to use is biblical love is acting with another person's best interest in mind. You can choose to act loving even when you don't feel like it. So you can choose to act with somebody else's best interest when you don't feel like it. Now, Trey, in the section that you read, uh, go right, there's a definition of love. It says love is giving to another what they need that you have because God wants you to. Mm-hmm. Do you see that section? Yeah. Okay, I want you to mark that. Don't have a pen? Do you have a pen? Okay, sure, I can help you with that. Yeah. Here you go. Thank you. And, and Deb, I want you to mark that uh, on yours as well, because I'm going to have both of you to okay. learn that definition of love. Love toward another is a willingness to give to him whatever you have that he needs because you know that God wants you to. Yes, mark that. Okay. So, both of you, and I've got it on your homework sheet here for next week. I want you to be able to quote that statement for me. Okay. So next week, at one point, I'm going to say, Deb, what does it mean for you to love Trey? And I want you to be able to say, "Love to love Trey means I give to him what he needs that I have because God wants me to. And then, all right. Okay. And before we leave this section, I want you to remember, you can act loving even when you don't feel like it. Because it's primarily an action. Okay, we're back to you. Next sentence. Um, well, I had the, the stuff that Trey just read, so I'll read my next one. All right. And that was, everywhere in the Bible, God commands us to love. And I did that because um, because it's commanded, it's not something that I have the choice. It's not, well, if you feel like it, do it. God commands it. And then it says, everywhere in the Bible. God commands us to love. So it's something that he obviously takes very seriously because he wouldn't have said it everywhere. Right. So. Okay. Trey, next. Um, well, the next one was kind of along those lines, um, but I guess it was um, encouraging that if love were not, if love were a feeling first, it couldn't be commanded. And that just follows up on the logic that he's been laying out so far. Yeah. Very good. Okay. Uh, I have that one too, so I'll stick it to my next one. There is great hope since God commands love. He never commands anything of his children that he does not supply both the directions and the power to achieve. And um, I highlighted that one because of the hope that it talks about that God enables us to do things that he Commands, and even when it seems like it feels like it's just impossible to do it, God enables you to do it anyway. Right. You need to believe that by faith, and then put your faith into action by acting loving toward Him, even when He's not being lovely, and you toward her when she may be frustrating the fire out of you. (laughs) I mean, you can. 
you can still choose to act loving. And that's a very important concept. The scriptures never command our emotions. It always commands our actions. But when we do what God tells us to do, the emotions follow. Mm-hmm. So, good sentences. All right, Trey, back to you. Um, well, he hits on this, this whole idea of forgiveness. Um, and that's not the next thing that I've got marked, but I, I think of what remains that was... Um, really something that jumped out on me that um, forgiveness is not a feeling first either that it's fundamentally a promise and I I never thought about forgiveness in these terms but when you forgive someone else you're promising to do three things about his wrongdoings you promise I shall not use them against you in the future I shall not talk to others about them and I shall not dwell on them myself um you know, I, I'd never thought about those three things being involved when you're talking about forgiveness. What would, what would have been your understanding of forgiveness? Um, huh. Certainly not as complete as that. Um, only being able to forgive somebody when you don't feel negatively toward them. And um, it's almost like if somebody were to ask you to forgive them, you'd kind of have to do this soul-searching to figure out whether or not you really felt like it or not. And according to this, that's not it at all. It's promising that you're not going to bring it up to them anymore, yourself anymore, or uh, anybody else. Um, That's new. Did you mark any sentences in that section, Deb? On forgiveness? Yes. Yes, I did. I marked um, actually what he marked, and then down toward the bottom of that same page, I put, even the faith that you have is enough to work wonders if you will only exercise it in obedience. Mm-hmm. Now, let me, let me just uh, take a pause here. What's being talked about right now in, in the pamphlet is really critical to your long-term change and growth and your long-term unity. Uh, Think of it this way. Learning how to confess sin. None of us are perfect. You sin against him. You sin against her. I sin against my wife. We may be trying to think and act biblically, but we still end up sinning. Okay. We hope we end up sinning less, but none of us are going to be perfect till we get to heaven. Confessing sin to the people we've sinned against admitting what we've done wrong and confessing our sin and asking for their forgiveness and receiving forgiveness, as it's defined in the pamphlet, as it's explained from the scriptures, is the oil that keeps the machinery of human relationships running. Mm. Hmm. If you were to take oil out of an engine, what would happen, Trey? I'd burn up. Absolutely. And that's what happens with relationships, where there's not a confessing of sin A willingness to say, I did wrong. I I hurt you. I sinned against you. Not just against God, but against you. I admit it. I confess it to you. Would you please forgive me? And then the person granting forgiveness, and by granting forgiveness it means I won't bring it up to use it against you Mm -hmm. again. I'm not going to talk to anybody else about it, including my family or the people at work. And when my mind gets to dwell, thinking about it, I'll take steps to get my mind off of it. 
Uh, just think about what that would do in your relationship. Think what that would do to, to help cut out these arguments. Mm-hmm. What that would do to bring a level of peace and harmony to your home if each of you was willing, when you sin, to humble yourself and admit it. And say, I did wrong before God and before you. Would you please forgive me? And then for the other one to say, honey, I forgive you. It's done. Mm. Can, can you get just a little bit of a glimpse <laughs> of what that would do in your relationship? Yeah. See? Now, <clears throat> because this is so important, I'm going to ask you to learn that three-point definition of what forgiveness is. Okay. And you notice I'm having you, uh, of course, you're, you're reading a pamphlet. You notice I'm having you to learn things and be ready to quote them. All right. Here's the reason for that. Look at it for just a moment. The battleground for lasting change in your lives and in your marriage is between your ears. If you don't change the way you think, you won't change long term. So that's something that I had a question about uh, because, you know, uh, that third step there, I shall not dwell on them myself. Um, I guess I've always thought that I really, uh, I, I don't have much ability to control what goes on inside of my head. That's not true. Yeah. That's not true. And later in some of our future sessions, um, I'm going to show you how to discipline your mind, to discipline your thinking for the purpose of godliness. The Bible talks to us about over and over again about being renewed in the spirit of our mind. In fact, that's probably one of the things I'll be teaching you next week in our, in our next session. But as we move along, I'm going to teach you how to think. I mean, I, I will tell you right now, I'm after your mind for your benefit and for the glory of God. Because if you don't change the way you think, you won't change long term. So that explains why I'm always, in all my homework assignments, you'll notice he's having us to read the Bible because the Bible tells us how to think. He's having us memorize key verses so that they're always with us, whether we're driving or mowing the yard or at the grocery store, we can think biblically. That's why he's going over booklets with us and asking us to memorize key phrases and key definitions because I want you to learn how to think Christianly. And as you do that, you'll be taking significant steps toward long-term change and growth. It will make you a different man and you a different woman. And when we've got a different man and a different woman, we've got a different marriage. Right. Right. See? Mm -hmm. So that's why, back to your statement earlier, Deb, that's why there's great hope for you folks. Because Jesus Christ gave us his word to teach us how to think. And the Holy Spirit will help us to do that. You both are professing Christians. That means the Holy Spirit will help you with this. Any questions about what I've just said? Um, I I do have a question, and I don't know if this is something you want to get to now or later. But yeah, but, but well, before we, is it what yes. I I'm, I'm interested? Did what I just what yes, I just explained? Yes, you just said made sense. Okay. That's what you're did I make? Was I clear? Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. Would you summarize what you just heard me say? That um, we have hope because God enables us to control our minds and control our thinking. And out of that right thinking, we should be able to uh, do right actions in that places God. And what happens in our mind can please God or cannot please God. Right. Excellent. So. What would you add to what she just said? That 
because we're believers in Christ, we have the Holy Spirit within us helping us. Um, it's not like we're doing it on our own. Right. That we're, uh, and he brings this up in the, the pamphlet, but um, that because the Holy Spirit's within us, um, it's not like we're, we need to be doing it in our own strength. That um, we're doing it with God's help. Okay, now you had a question. Yes, I did. Um, he spent some time here going over like Phil's role as the husband, and that he needs to love his wife and their scripture and stuff. And but he just starts to touch on the woman's part, and then he backs out and says, you know, go see your counselor. So I guess I was just wondering if you wouldn't mind elaborating. No, we're, we're going to talk about that. And okay. I've got an agenda of things, and certainly the role of the husband, the role of the wife is coming. Uh, right now, I would probably see that being session uh, four or five. Okay. So it, it's, it's, it's coming. coming. It's okay. coming. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's, uh, whose turn is it for the next sentence? Uh, I don't know. Trey, I think it's yours. Okay. Um, <laughs> Well, we, we kind of touched on that one. Um, well, I've got right there at the bottom of, uh, I don't know what page this is, but this side of the pamphlet, um, Paul points out that man is head of, the, of his home as Christ is head of the church. That means he is primarily responsible for seeing to it that there is love in the home. How does that speak to you? Um, well... That's heavy responsibility. It sure is. Um, and, I mean, the idea that love is not a feeling, I mean, it, all of this together is almost revolutionary to think about it in this way um, because that means that if, if there's, I guess, a lack of love in our relationship, I'm the one primarily at fault. Um. Okay. And later I'll be doing some more teaching on how to love biblically. Okay. But Good. I need to get that understanding. Good. Okay, Deb, back to you. What's your next sentence? Um, well, this is actually kind of backing up toward to love, but when it says um, feeling is self-centered, love focuses upon another. I guess I never thought of my feelings as being self-centered and self-focused but they're saying that it is and that love well it's like what we've been saying love is not a feeling love is me giving love is not primarily a feeling primarily. feelings are involved but it's primarily an action i think what is wanting to draw if people just live by their feelings if they just do what they want to do say what they want to say act nice when they want to act nice are mean when they feel like being mean. That's not that's not a loving approach to life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Biblical love is you act kindly toward people, whether you feel like it or not. Mm -hmm. I mean, remember Christ commanded us to love our neighbor. He also commanded us to love our enemies. I mean, he sure wasn't saying feel warm toward them, mm -hmm. but he's saying you know we can even be kind to people that that are treating us like we're enemies. Mm. So. Yeah, that's right. really hard and yet really freeing at the same time. Exactly. 
Exactly. Well, well stated. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Trey, back to you. We should be getting close to the, your last uh, statement there. Yeah. I marked the comment that the husband, Phil, made when he said, I've always wanted to be the head of my home, but I've never known how to begin. Would that be true of you? Yeah. Okay. We can help you with that. Will be the, some of the way we're headed in the future will help with that. Okay, Deb, back to you. Um, that, uh, no, not really. Nothing that hasn't been Discussed. elaborated on. Okay, do you have any more? Well, this was earlier in it, but huh, the idea that uh, there's there's no way out of loving my wife because she's my wife, she's uh, my neighbor, uh, and she's... Your enemy. My enemy. I mean, really, if we're honest about the way we've been living, Deb's been my enemy. Right. And you may have been thinking about her in those terms yeah. at times. Uh-huh. Right. Uh, and I'm commanded to love my enemy. Right. Right. And by God's grace, uh, our thinking can change. Yeah. And that's what we look forward to happening with both of you. All right. Any uh, questions for me uh, from that pamphlet before we move on? No. That was good. All right. What I would uh, like each of you to do, what I would encourage you to do, is to keep that pamphlet in your Bible, because uh, I'm going to have you reading your Bible more than you were the first time you came in here. And I think that pamphlet's the kind of literature that you can open it up every so often, and even if all you do is just glance at the sentences that you underlined, that will be helpful to you, It'll be edifying to you. And so don't put that in a drawer where you won't see it again. Put it where it's going to keep coming up, and you're going to be reminded of these truths. Because as, as we're seeing, some of these are new ways of thinking for you folks. Yeah. And just discussing them in here for a few minutes doesn't mean all of a sudden you've got it. Right. I mean, you've got to remind yourself of these things. Right. So whatever would work for you, plan to do that. Okay, now let's move on. Uh, I'd ask you to have uh, one date per week. And uh, Trey, you were up this week. Tell me about that. Um, well, you said we didn't have to spend money, and that's a primary concern. Of, <laughs> it's a primary concern of mine. So um, we uh, we made dinner and went to the mall, but with the understanding that we were not going to be spending any money while we were at the mall. And uh, he we, came on my turf. <laughs> We uh, we ate dinner there at the mall, and um, we just kind of walked around and, and talked a little bit. And uh, Deb likes looking at the puppies in the pet store, so we went to the, the pet store and took one of the, it was the Golden Retriever, uh, out <laughs> and played with it a little bit. It's funny, though, the dog spent more time playing with his toys than it did even playing with us, yeah. so we kind of looked at it the whole okay. time. And was that a pleasant activity for you? Yeah. I mean, the... Eating at the mall, and walking around, and look. Even though you couldn't spend money, was that a, was it, what I'm try, what I'm trying to understand was was this a pleasing date? I mean, yes. was this a positive experience for the the marriage? Yes, it was just fun to be together and in, in an environment where it just really emphasized our interaction, and we weren't staring at something okay. else that course, didn't allow for us to talk. She wanted to buy the dog. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, now you're up. It was cute. <laughs> okay. um, you're up for the date this week, and uh, I want you both. Did you mark the calendar? I forgot to ask about that. Yes. Okay, so the calendar is marked. All right, that's good. And um, 
So each of you now should be looking ahead. And last week I kind of joked when I said about looking at the paper, but, you know, I need to be a little more serious about this week. As you read the paper, as you hear advertising for things that are coming up, um, special events and so forth, I mean, be looking ahead. And I want to encourage you to give some energy uh, to this to make your date times a really special time. And I think this little simple assignment has huge potential for your marriage. So let's look forward to some happy times together here in the weeks coming up. Okay. All right. And I'll look forward to hearing what you come up with when I talk with you next week. All right. Very good. Now, uh, I'd ask you both to read Matthew 5, 6, and 7 at least three times per week to record the day and time you read and write out the most meaningful verse from each day's reading. And uh, why don't we uh, start... Uh, hearing about that, and uh, Trey, why don't you start us on this one? How many uh, how many times you read Matthew five, six, and seven this week? Um, well, I'll be honest, um, I didn't do such a good job on that one. Um, I, I I started it, um, didn't get all the way through it, um, but. Um, now, does that mean you did not read Matthew 5, 6, and 7 all the way through one time, or you just you didn't read it all the way through three times? Um, no, I, I didn't get through it. Uh, at all? At, at all. Uh, I mean, I, I started it, but... How far did you read? Um, I read Matthew 5, but it was right before bed, and I was tired. And, okay. And why didn't you get it done? Um... I was tired the night that I read it, and I was pretty busy the rest of the week, and so I didn't get it done for those reasons. Okay, and uh, how many hours of TV did you watch this week? Go go back. I saw you on Thursday. Uh, How many time? How much TV did you watch Thursday night? Um, That CSI. Hours. Okay, and what about Friday? A couple hours. All right, what about Saturday? Well, Saturday's when we did our date. Um, but I did, I did, I watched some during the day on Saturday. About how much? Um, I don't know, about three hours. Okay, and Sunday? I watched the game, so it was you know, about oh, three hours. Three hours. And Monday? Well, Monday, um, Monday I didn't watch much. I, uh, it was about, I don't know, 30 minutes or so. Okay. And Tuesday? A couple hours. And Wednesday? I probably watched three hours on Wednesday. Okay. Now, um, put together for me how much time you spent watching TV and not getting this reading assignment done. Depending on how fast you read, you're a college graduate with a, 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 an MBA, so I assume you can read fairly fast. Um, most people can read Matthew 5, 6, and 7 in 15 minutes. Or so. Now, help me put those together.
I put my priorities on the wrong things. I agree. And I think that's one area where you're thinking it needs to change beginning this week. Um, maybe a, a, a change, a radical change in strategy might help you. Let me just give you a little phrase to think about. No Bible, no TV. Say that with me one time, would you? No Bible, no TV. Do we need to talk about that anymore? No. no. Okay. Um, Deb, tell me about your reading. Well, um, how much? Or like yeah, well, I'd ask you, you to read three times. How many times did you read? I read three times. All right. And uh, tell me what days you read. I read Tuesday, um, Thursday, Friday. Okay. I'd ask you to mark each, each day you read uh, to, to tell me about some of the verses. What I want you to do is, as you read the scriptures, I want both of you to train yourself as you read, not just to read and flip the pages and say, okay, I got that done. And, but I want you to read looking for answers, looking for principles that will help you as you try to live God's way. So what verses stood out to you as you read? Well, they're all kind of right in the same section. So um, the first one was Matthew 6. 33. Yeah, read that for us, please. It says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. How did that speak to you? Um, well, priorities. Um, that I need to be doing what I know God wants me to do instead of writing about eating and drinking and what should we wear. This is all the verses leading up to that. Um, that if I do what I'm supposed to do, God will bless me with what I need. I guess it's the bottom line in that. And that should give you some hope, even as you think about your financial issues. Mm-hmm. I mean, the verse is right ahead of that. talks about money. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay, what other scripture stood out to you? Uh, the very next verse. So do not worry. Uh, so do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So that verse really is teaching me to be in the present and not to fret about things that I don't have control over and don't know what's going to happen anyway, but just to focus on what I know today. Very good. What other scripture? Um, the next one I had was Matthew 7, 3. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? And I circled that one because it's really easy for me to focus on Trey's problems and what I don't like about Trey or whatever, uh, or Trey's sinful habits. And go, you know, he should be doing this and he should be doing that or whatever. But this verse tells me that I need to be pointing my finger at myself first and saying, what are you doing wrong? Where are you sinning? Where are you failing? Before I ever look toward him. So. 
just think about the three verses that you you picked out some really good ones, some of my favorites. Just think about how if if you were to meditate on those verses, just those three, mm-hmm. just think if you were to think on, meditate on those, and the word, the, med- the word meditate means to think about with a view to application. If you were just to think about these verses and how they relate to your life and your marriage and your circumstances, can you catch a little bit of a glimpse of how that might change how you act this next week? If you're pondering those verses? Well, it seems to me that they're all focused on my relationship with God being first. Right. And that that's that's where it's at. <laughs> you know, remember that Christ in one part of his teaching ministry he said there's two great commandments. He was asked to summarize out of the, the entire Old Testament, which is the greatest command in the Old Testament. He said the greatest commandment is you shall love your God, the Lord your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and your mind. And the second great commandment is like that. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So you're here. What brought you here is you're wanting to talk about the horizontal relationship. You're going to talk about each other. But Jesus teaches us our love for each other grows out of our love for him first. That's another reason why I'm having you read the Bible. That's why I want you to go to a, a church that I know that teaches the Bible in a clear, precise, practical way. Because I want you to learn how to love God better. And as you learn to love God better, love God more, that will help you in loving each other better. Loving each other more. Okay. Um, I'm very pleased with what you did on that. And uh, I commend, commend you. I encourage you to keep doing that next week. And we'll look forward for you picking up the pace next week. Now, I'd ask each of you to learn, right at the end of uh, this passage, Matthew 7, 24 to 27. And um, I'd ask you to learn those verses and be ready to quote those. Deb, how about if we start with you on that? Okay. All right, do it without looking. Okay. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them uh, maybe compare, maybe compared to a wise man who builds his house on the rock. Um, when the rain falls and the floods come and the winds blow and slam up against the house, the house will not fall because it's built on the rock. Uh, everyone who hears my voice and does not act upon it is like the fool who builds his house on the sand uh, when the rains fall and the floods come and the winds blow and slam up against the house the house falls and the fall is very great very good needs a little bit of polishing you don't seem real confident with it but I think you've got it down alright good Okay, Trey, the pressure's on. Next. Um, yeah, quote it. I don't want you to read it to me. Um, everyone who hears my words and acts on them will uh, be like all, a wise man who built his house on the rock. Um, the rains came and the floods, the rains fell and the floods came 
the winds blew and slammed up against that house and uh, it did not fall because it was built on the rock. Um, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them is like the foolish man who built his house on sand and the rains came, the rains fell, the winds came, no, rains, rains fell, the floods came, the winds blew and slammed up against that house and it fell and great was its fall. Okay. That's good. You're in the ballpark there too. Okay. Yep, needs a little more polishing, but uh, I, I will certainly accept that. Now, both of you, open your Bible to that passage and I want to talk to you about it. The message of this portion of Scripture has tremendous uh, implications for you folks and your marriage. Now, let me just set the, the scene. Um, you realize that the New Testament begins with what we call the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Each of them presents Jesus Christ from a little different perspective. Each book was written with a little different audience in mind. The book of Matthew, where we are, was written with a Jewish audience in mind. And Matthew wants to demonstrate that Jesus Christ is the prophesied Messiah, the prophesied King that the Old Testament prophets talked about. So the key word in the book of Matthew is the word fulfilled. In fact, later as you read in Matthew, you'll see that word shows up 18, 19 times because he keeps saying Jesus Christ did that. That fulfills what the Old Testament prophets said in the past. All right? Matthew starts with an account about the supernatural conception of, of, of Mary by the Holy, Holy Ghost. It describes Christ's supernatural birth, like the Old Testament prophets said. It talks about... Um, his uh, temptation, how he resisted Satan. I mean, just as you read it, you just see all of these things are being told. Uh, and then his baptism, all of this is designed to demonstrate here is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is called the Sermon on the Mount. And it's the first official proclamation of the King of Kings. It's like his inaugural address. Here's the king. It's shown by his supernatural birth, his supernatural conception and birth, and the temptation and all of the, the baptism, all that has happened in those events. Now, hear what he has to say. It's called the Sermon on the Mount because of the way chapter 5, verse 1 you know, starts out. It says that he saw his disciples up, up on the mountain sitting down. He began to teach them, saying, and here it comes. So now think about this. Here is the inaugural address by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And basically he's saying, here's how things operate in my kingdom. If you want to be my kind of people, if you want to follow me, if you want me to be your king and you're going to follow me, here's the way things go. All right? And he preaches this perfect sermon because Jesus Christ was perfect. And the verses I'm asking you to memorize are the closing illustration. Now think about it. He's done all this teaching, and you know, as you read the, the three chapters, he talks about a lot of different topics. But he comes right down to the end, and he tells this little story. When the story's done, he's going to dismiss people, and they're going to go away. I mean, this is what's going to be ringing in their ears. Now, he tells a story about two men and their circumstances. I want you to look at your Bible, verses 24 to 27. 
in what ways were these two men or their circumstances similar? Go ahead and look at the passage. In what ways were these two men or their circumstances similar? The man that builds on the rock and the man that built on sand, those two men? Yeah. In what way were those two men or their circumstances similar? Well, they were both building a house. Exactly. Good. And they had the same thing, like the rain, the floods, the winds. Right. They both had trials in life. Yes. There's some other ways. They, they heard were. the words. That's right. They heard mm-hmm. the words of Jesus. They both had heard. Mm-hmm. Right. What else? Well, they, I mean, mm-hmm. are you looking for similarities? Yes. They were still looking for similarities. Um. For example, they, they both built a house. Mm-hmm. Right. Did we always say that? Right. Okay. And you notice they both had results after the storm. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Both houses had a foundation. Yeah. All right. Now, let's turn it around. In what ways were these two men or their circumstances different? Well, one acted on the words and the other didn't. Mm-hmm. Right. Very one good. Built up. The foundation was rock, and mm-hmm. one built the foundation was sand. Right. Very different mm-hmm. foundations. In what other ways were these men or their circumstances different? Well, the way they weathered the trials of life was different. Yeah. What they experienced after the storms was different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what other ways were these men different? Something else very important. Um, there was a verdict on each one of their lives. One was called wise and one was called foolish. Right. Jesus had different ways of describing each man. Okay, now, just think about this for a moment. This is so important for you folks. Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, presents his truth. And he says this. You know, um, there are two guys. They both heard my word. One man heard and obeyed. Somebody who hears my word and obeys it is like a man who goes out and builds house on a rock. You know, I think in some ways our house, our homes kind of represent who and what we are. So I think we can say Jesus Christ is saying the man who hears my words and obey it, his house, his life is like a guy who builds on a rock. When the storms of life come and they come to all of us, his house, his life I think we could say his marriage will stand the storms of life. But Jesus Christ says, a person who hears my word but doesn't obey it, that is just like somebody that would go out and build their house on sand. When the storms of life come, and they come to all of us, his house, his life, his marriage will not stand storms of life. In fact, did you notice it, it, versions put it different ways, but it says it just won't collapse, but great will be the collapse. This is a very familiar passage of scripture. Many people think that what this passage is talking about is rock and sand. This is not about rock and sand. This passage is about 
hearing and obeying or hearing and not obeying. This is about whether I'm going to be, whether you're going to be wise or what's the other option? Foolish. Foolish. What is the difference between a wise person and a foolish person? It's not IQ. It's not money in the bank account. It's not the kind of things that our world would tend to... Jesus, the King of Kings, says it's whether or not you obey my word or not. Now, um, let, let me just ask you a question. You both last week told me that you're Christians, and you talked to me about uh, attending church and so forth since you've come to faith in Christ. J- just think for a moment. The, the problems that brought you folks here last week, are those problems the result primarily of a failure to hear the scriptures in your life or a failure to obey the scriptures you've heard? Well, I'd say that it's primarily a problem of not hearing the scriptures. I mean, at least as I look at what we read in the, the pamphlet and the things you're talking to us about, Ooh. these are things I've never heard before. Okay. What would you say, then? Well, I would say for me it is harder to do. I mean, I, I would say that I hear yeah. when I go to church, but it's harder to do. Right. Now, you notice they're both important. Important. You have to hear and obey. Right. What I have found with most of the people I counsel who've been Christians for any length of time, for most people, their area of struggle <clears throat> is not in the failure to hear. It's mm-hmm. pretty easy to get up and go to church. All of us have got multiple Bibles in our house. You can turn on the Christian radio station. You can order tapes. I mean, it's easy for us in America to hear the Word of God. Where most of us struggle is in the matter of obeying. And what I want you to understand as we're beginning our work together, it's not just enough that you memorize some verses. It's not just enough you read some books that might help you. It's not enough that you attend some church more than you used to. All those things can be good. But you can do that and not obey. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, you're just a greater fool. Because of the extra knowledge. What I want to encourage you to think about is hear and obey. If I say that with me, would you? Hear and obey. I like that phrase. So I think it's so important. I'm going to ask each of you this week to get like three to five cards or make a little sign or something. I want each of you to put up three signs that say hear and obey. Matthew 7, 24 to 27. Just to remind you that whatever you're learning from the scriptures, we're not going to just learn it, but we're going to obey it. Okay. Questions on that? Mm-mm. All right, Trey, summarize what the King of Kings is teaching us in verses 24 to 27. That if we want to be wise people, we're going to not only listen to the words of Christ, but we're going to act on them. Uh, otherwise, when the trials of life come, everything that we've built will become rubble and it'll come crashing with a great fall. 
Well stated. Questions? Okay. Now, uh, let me uh, ask on a couple of things here quickly. Our time's almost done. I'd ask each of you to attend once, at least one service uh, per week here at, uh, at Faith Baptist. Tell me about the, the service you attended. Well, uh, we went here on Sunday, and uh, the pastor, Pastor Byers, is yes. that his name? Yes. Um, he, uh, he taught on grace and God's abundant grace. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and he talked about um, God never running out of grace. Uh, almost like, uh, he was to, in fact, he compared it to running out of gas. And uh, God never runs out of gas. He's always got um, grace, even when we don't think um, there is enough grace to cover our sin. Did you enjoy the service? Yes, he's excellent. Good. Uh, I'm going to ask you to keep attending at least one service per week. And uh, if your schedule would allow, they've got a lot of different options. And um, I would encourage you to keep coming to the morning worship service. But uh, look at some other options if, if you can. Okay, I'd ask you to keep a log on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday of the topics of your arguments. Did you do that? Yeah. Okay, could you just leave that with me so I can uh, sure. keep that for, for this next week and our time slipping away here? All right, good. <clears throat> now, let me show you what I have for you that will help us to keep moving ahead next week. And... There's nine areas that I want to touch on here, and some of this is just review, so don't be scared by the number. All right, number one, I want you to both read Matthew 5, 6, and 7 at least three times this week. Record the day and time you read and write out the most meaningful verse. This is a wonderful section of the Scripture. There's so much in this passage that can help you. So read it looking for verses to help you know how to think and how to act. I want both of you to review and be ready to quote Matthew 7, 24-27. I want you to learn that passage so well that Deb, in the middle of the night, you can reach over and shake him and say, what's Matthew 7, 24-27? He can set up, quote a word perfectly, right back he down and go to sleep. Me. All right. So both of you work on that to get that polished out. Then the third thing I've got down is I want um, both of you... Uh, to do unit one in this book called Strengthening Your Marriage. Now, we're going to use this for the next several weeks. This is a fabulous book. Wonderful teaching. Look up the scriptures as you read. At the end of each unit, or uh, he calls them units, not chapters, there's uh, questions with blanks to be filled out. I've got one of these for each of you. I want you to do it individually. Right? Complete this first unit. But after you've done it, I want you to... Share your answers with each other before you come back. Bring the book with you, and I want to talk with you about the areas where your answers were different. Okay. All right? Then look at number four. I want you to remember these two statements. Love is acting with another's best interest in mind. That's my definition I like to use. Okay. But I also want you to learn the definition in the pamphlet. Remember, love is giving to another. Okay, you marked it there. Yeah. Be ready to quote that. Number five, I want you to learn the three-point definition of forgiveness and be ready to quote that so that when you say, I forgive you, you know that means I won't bring it up to use it against you, won't talk to other people about it, and I won't dwell on it myself. In other words, be ready to do that. 
Continue having one date per week. Continue to attend at least one service per week at uh, Faith Baptist Church. And next week, I'd like you to take notes on the message and be ready to come back and talk particularly about what you learned and how it applies to your life. Okay. Hear and obey. Uh, Trey, I'd like you to consider this statement. Uh, no Bible, no TV. And the last one, both of you make three signs that say, hear and obey, and then post those in conspicuous places. A lot of ladies put it like at the mirror where they get ready in the morning. A lot of guys put it on the dashboard or the the truck or at the phone at work or something, but just so you hear about that. Now, does this look doable this week? It's a lot, but we will do it. Yeah. Okay. Well, let me lead us uh, in prayer, and then we'll be dismissed, all right? Lord, thank you again for what you're doing in Trey and Deb's life, and I pray that you would create within them a, a heart that hungers and thirsts for righteousness. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. I'll let you go. Okay. All righty. Well, that concludes our time together. Um, Before we go, let me pray for us. Pray for safe travels as you journey back home as well. Let's pray. Father, we give thanks for this time. Lord, thank you for your kindness and your goodness to allow us to gather to learn more of your word and to learn how to apply it, not only uh, to our own selves, but to those around us, Lord. We love you. We thank you. I pray for safe travels as everyone returns home. And Lord, we want to magnify your name and glorify your name. In Jesus' name, amen.